Welcome to the family with Alex Brantford Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, and Cassie Schrader. Ladies and gentlemen, Recovery Riot Patrick Strait, our special guest up next with the family. Recently, the four Walzer dealerships in Burnsville, Walzer Subaru, Walzer Honda, Walzer Nissan, and Walzer Mazda encountered a hailstorm. A justice flew in from around the U.S. to handle a claim on what will be over 2,500 new and used cars. They've drastically reduced the pricing on these vehicles, and there are some wonderful bargains available. But here's the deal. I normally hate the hurry-these-won't-last style of marketing, but in this case, it is true. It's not like they'll go into the back lot at night with hammers and make more. I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. I like it. Um, yesterday, is this a coincidence, by the way? We'll bring Patrick Strait, and then I want to tell you something about this. Patrick Strait, ladies and gentlemen, tonight at 8 o'clock at Acme Comedy Company, the show is going to be unique in that there will be no alcohol served at all, which is unusual because most people like to be drunk when they see Cy Amundsen. Thank you very much. Great to be here. <laughs> it would help. <laughs> it would help. Yeah, there you go. Poor Cy. Uh, Greg Coleman, Cy Amundsen, Mike Early, uh, we got Patrick Strait, and uh, is it Mo Yacoub? Is that how you say his name, or her name, or his name? Yep, Mo Yacoub, you got it. Mo Yacoub, okay, I want to make sure. Uh, In any case, the show is going to be unique. It is tonight at 8 o'clock at Acme Comedy Company. Uh, We're doing a special drink menu of non-alcoholic drinks down there. There will be no jokes, glorifying drugs or alcohol, plus all profits to Stepping Stone Sober Housing in St. Paul. What a great thing you're doing, Patrick. Hey, thank you. I really appreciate that. It is true. Are you you a non-schwealer or are you just doing it out of the goodness of your heart? 
You know, I uh, I actually today of all days is actually my uh, my four year sobriety date. So nope, I've been I've been doing this for a while. So you know, it's partially out of the goodness of my heart, but partially because I cannot be trusted to to go places that serve alcohol a lot of times. So you know how it goes. I do know how it goes, and it's what's really unusual. People might be able to tell by his youthful voice. Patrick's only twelve years old. So you know, <laughs> stop drinking at eight. I was going to say, wow. <laughs> stop drinking Yeesh. at eight years old. Although I did start drinking when I was eleven, Patrick, and I quit when uh. About seven years ago now, a little short of seven years, but um, a lot of people I know, Patrick, are giving up the booze. And, and it's not just my friends or anything. I'm talking about people your age or, you know, whatever. People are not into alcohol the way they used to be, I don't think. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm actually, despite my boyish, young, uh, youthful, enthusiastic voice, I'm actually 37. And, uh, yeah, it's funny because I know people who are, you know, like you said, 10, 15 years younger than me who don't drink. And I always sit there and scratch my head because I'm like, that's all I wanted to do 10 and 15 years ago. That's all I wanted to do four years ago, which is why. Obviously, I ended up in the position I'm in now. So, yeah, I do think it's really interesting, mm-hmm. the, the kind of paradigm shift. You're right. You're absolutely right. i got to mention something very quickly here, Patrick, because you just brought up your age. I, I did an appearance last night, and then I, read, I talked to a couple of people yesterday. And in general, we're talking uh, they, were, they were all men in this one group between 31 and 33, 34 years old. And I asked them all a question. And I said, would one of you, and there were, I suppose, maybe a grand total of about 20 people, something like that. And I said, could you do me a favor? And they said, yeah, whatever. And I said, name one of the Beatles. Not one of them could. Really? Nope. And They They said if you said a Beatles name... Then they would recognize it. But yeah. they couldn't think of one. But they couldn't, they couldn't think, think of, of who was Where? in the band the what? Beatles. Well, it started at our house. I asked the guys from Saber. I, I asked there. The and technician. then I went, went to, a, went to a, a Nutrimost dinner. Oh, yeah, yes. Right. So I asked, and, and they said they knew who Paul McCartney was. They knew who, who Ringo Starr was, but they didn't know they were in the Beatles. Don Bernard, unofficial pollster. Isn't that amazing, though? That they Now, Patrick, you're 37. You know who the Beatles are, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, Elton John. Yeah, Elton John. There you go. Bono. Yeah, I mean, I love those guys. Bono's in it. Bono's phenomenal. Bono, yep, yep. No no, no doubt about it. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That's these kids today, Tom, I'll tell you. Kids today, Patrick. Kids Kids today. today, That's all I'm saying. No, I just, uh, the the only reason that I even asked is because it started with the two guys from Sabre, and they kind of, you know, brought it up that they listened to KQRS in the morning and, you know, and the whatever. But, yeah, if it, they knew who Paul McCartney was and John, John Lennon was, all that, but they didn't know they were Beatles, which was kind of weird because I knew that my grandmother loved Rudy Valley and I knew my mother loved Glenn Miller and the people she loved, but this generation doesn't really give a rat's ass what we liked. They don't care. Well, we always played a lot of different music around our house. Yeah, we did with kids. Don't Lots hear, of different yeah. music, everything from yeah. opera to weird things. You know, they were <laughs> they were exposed things. to a lot of stuff. But so. that kind of shocked me. Yeah, but you know weird. another thing, Patrick, and I want to run this by you. Not that you need to answer for all you know men in their thirties. That's not what I mean. Oh, I'm the spokesperson for men in their thirties. We all talked about okay, that. They okay. said I can speak for them. It's fine. Well, never mind. <laughs> At the meeting, they also don't. These guys all told me they basically don't care for TNA jokes on the radio, which I didn't. Really? Know. Remember they brought that up? Uh, I love those. Yeah, you love <laughs> them. Right. Catherine <laughs> loves them. Who no. doesn't love that? Yeah, which, yeah, they they said you know once in a while thrown in, it's not a big deal. 
but a lot of these, you know, radio and television and movies and all the rest of it, the TNA gets just way over the top, and it's just too... Like I mean, the you're, 70s? You're, the 70s was nothing but TNA yeah, that's jokes. True. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and the reason I'm Horrible. asking you that, Patrick, because you're a comedian, and TNA is a pretty easy route to take, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, how many of their wives and girlfriends or at least women they were interested in were sitting nearby when they had to give the stock answer? Like, how many of them were listening to make sure that these were, quote, good guys? No, there were none. None of them had their, their spouses with them. Well, then no. who were they trying to impress? You? <laughs> God, I hope not. What a waste of time that would be. I mean, come on. That's, you know, a complete waste of time. But I found it interesting that, that there's a situation uh, now where... And I, I guess my next question for you, Patrick, is and I don't want to go on too long because I, w- I want to talk a lot about Recovery Riot, which is the name of the show tonight at 8 o'clock at Acme Comedy Company. And it features Greg Coleman and Cy Amundsen, Mike Early, Mo Yacoub, Patrick Strait. It's a great thing. The money's going to uh, to help out uh, Sober Housing Stepping Stone, Sober Housing in St. Paul. So that's a wonderful thing. But there's some speculation that the reason... The instant gratification of being on your phone, on your laptop, on your desktop, whatever you're on, the instant gratification is not there by knowing things that really don't affect your life anymore. So if they don't think they need to know it, they don't know it. It's a different world that way. You, just, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, you know, yeah, Google, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Everything. Paul McCartney was in some band. <clears throat> yeah, they don't need to know because oh. it's right there in their hand. Not like when I was a kid. You didn't have a phone in your hand to look things up. <laughs> you had to go get out the encyclopedia. Yeah. You had to work for Christ's sake. <laughs> What's that all about? Well, was that, the Britannica book? <laughs> all I do, Patrick, is work. That's all I know. I'm saying, which is so weird that there's that that kind of uh, opinion out there because I feel like I know so much garbage that I never wanted to know because of being on my phone or because of the internet. Do you know how much I know about Jeremy Renner and all of this drama with his ex-wife and stuff? I have no interest in what's going on with all this stuff, and yet I know all of it. I could tell you the whole timeline of events. So that's interesting that they they don't have any interest in knowing what they don't want to, but what I don't want to, I have to, apparently. No, it's absolutely true. And Isn't he the one that's all crabby now because he didn't get to play the Joker again, or was that a different guy? Or is that Jared Leto? Jared Leto. Oh, that was Jared he Leto? Played, yeah, he played the Joker in Suicide Squad, yeah, which was a crabby. horrible rendition of the Joker. Oh, was it? It was terrible. It I was guess like, he's, you know, he's deeply hurt they didn't bring him back, apparently. Well, he sucked. Well. So. You know, it's tough being Jared Leto. His, uh, you know, I mean, when you're... It's tough being a mediocre white man in this world. I'll tell you what. You know, I can speak for Jared, and I'm a spokesperson for them as well. And, yeah, I mean, we're having a tough time, so I feel we, Jared's pain, and, you know, I just pray for a quick recovery for him. I understand that. Uh, we should mention Patrick with us today. Patrick say so went uh, through treatment for alcohol four years ago. Ironically, October fifteenth. Today's the day. Four years today's the day. And early on, struggled with the idea of finding things to do that he would uh, enjoy in sobriety. The purpose of this show is to create a safe, sober environment for people in recovery. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. I really do. Um, so, you when did you start doing comedy? So I'll be honest with you. I'm not actually the uh, performer per se. I'm just kind of the guy who put it together. I've been a comedy writer for oh, yeah. years with City Pages, and right. I've been, uh, right. you know, I've been a closely affiliated with the club. But no, nobody. I'm not going to make anybody pay money to actually come watch me try to do shows. No, that mean, would you, uh, that you, would force people to relapse. It'd be terrible. But you do make money writing comedy, correct? Correct. Yes, yeah, you are so, correct. I mean, you, yes, you, you would so, qualify then as a comedy writer, Patrick. All so right, don't I'll don't take ever it. argue I'll with me it. again. I'm just telling you. I that. will. 
<laughs> what happens. No, I mean, I've been, um, I've been closely affiliated. I moved to Minnesota about 12 years ago, and I've been pretty closely affiliated with the scene ever since, you know, whether that is, you know, spotlights on different comedians, whether that's covering the club. Um, a few years ago, I won right. a, some award for doing a, a documentary about Acme. So, yeah, I've been involved with the scene for quite some time. Yeah, see, that's cool. So, so in your situation, uh, when did you start writing comedy? Oh, gosh, you know, I'd say probably, probably, yeah, right around the time I moved here. So probably about 12, 13 years ago now. So it's been, you know, a a pretty good chunk of time. Definitely well before I got sober, I can tell you that. And and do you think the the drinking too much came from, I mean, there's a lot of pressure trying to, if you're trying to be funny, first of all, in general, if people try to be funny, they're not funny. But if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're, you are funny and you're trying to be funny in a particular way, it puts a lot of pressure on a person. It does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I used to, I used to drink a lot when I was writing, and you'd mm-hmm. have those days where, much like anybody else, you know, the more you drink, the funnier you think you are. Right. And there's some days I'd wake up, and it would be a, you know, fantastic surprise to turn out that I actually was, and there was... Other days I'd wake up to say, I don't know exactly what I was going for here, but whatever it is, like, I got to throw it in the trash and start over. So, yeah. you know, I think early on, I don't know that it helped. I don't know that it hurt, but I can tell you as time went on, it definitely, uh, it definitely wasn't doing me any favors and it definitely wasn't helping me to, to advance career wise, personally, or anything else. I just think it's great that all of you step up, Greg and Cy and Mike and Mo and you stepping up to try to help people with, uh, you know, sober housing and try to figure this whole situation out. Because we're going, we're learning a lot. We're getting quite an education from the pharmaceutical front on how we don't care how many people this killed. Let's keep making money off of these drugs. Uh, sure. It's just disgusting. It, it's gotten to the point it's disgusting. So it's really nice to see you guys trying to help people. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, especially when I first got sober, like I said, you know, there was not a lot of things that I had ever really done that were fun while I was sober. You know, everything I did that I associated with being fun, I had to be drunk for. I had to yeah. be drinking at. It wasn't like I could go to a comedy show and have some drinks. It was I could have a whole bunch of drinks at a comedy show. I couldn't yeah. go to a yeah. concert and have a drink. I had to get super drunk and go to a concert. So, you know, that's what's going to be great about this show is I think it – you know, it puts the focus back where it's supposed to be. It puts it back on having a fun night out. It puts it back on the comedy, which is what really, you know, Acme is all about first and foremost is the comedy. And I think that it, it really helps people realize that, you know, especially for people like me, there is life and there's fun and there's things you can still do sober. And honestly, it's probably going to be even more fun because you'll remember it and you won't have the hangover the next day, you know? That's exactly right. I, You know, I can tell you, I'm not going to say who it is because it's not really nice to do in this particular case, but I had a friend that was married to a very, very famous woman. And I mean, she's, everybody knows her and what she does, and she's an entertainer, and she's she's at the top of her game, always has been. And he was only married to, to her for a couple of years. And I said, what, what happened with you kids? You know, I tried to be my mother for a second there. <laughs> what happened with you kids? And he goes, let me just say this. Do you think that you could be in a marriage where every morning when your wife woke up to you, Next to you, she would have two full glasses of Carvassier and a line of cocaine every morning when she first woke oh up. Oh, my God. Can you imagine dealing with someone like that? Oh. Oh, yes, gosh. I can. 
No, you can't. I don't know if I can imagine dealing with somebody like that. I can imagine being somebody like that and yeah. having other people deal with me. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I had a plenty of practice being that guy. So I can appreciate that. But, yeah, that's a, that's a rough road. That is, I mean, you could, I'm surprised. And she's still alive and she's still working. You still see her all the Breakfast time. Breakfast of champions Breakfast right there. Breakfast of champions. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you up in the morning. Exactly oh, it. God. Yeah, it just I makes me ill thinking about it. Do you think that young younger people today are giving up drinking or not starting to drink because so there are so many alcoholics yeah. and drug addicts running around. I mean, there are just tons of them, mm-hmm. more than people even realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tons of functioning alcoholics, all that stuff. It seems like there's a genetic factor. Yes. There Maybe is. they're like, I, I've got this gene. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. You think? Yeah, you want to say that people are smarter, and like you said, you kind of learn from the experience. And I think there probably is some of that to a degree. I also think, though, that some of it's just whatever is considered, you know, popular and kind of in at the moment, right? I mean, I'll give you an example, and now I'm going to sound like, you know, a 65-year-old man complaining about, you know, what's wrong with the youth. But, I mean, I, the idea of vaping, right? Like, it's like, okay, no, smoking is gross. You know, I don't know anybody who smokes anymore, but I know people who are vaping Mountain Dew-flavored clouds in their car <laughs> right now. So it's like, yeah, you know, that's cool that you do realize that, like, smoking is gross and you shouldn't smoke. But, guys, like, the trade-off isn't great. So I think maybe some of that's the same to be said with alcohol, right? Where, yes. yeah, I mean, being, you know, a sloppy, drunk mess, you know, you've seen that enough times growing up. Or, you know, you saw that, like you said, whether it was a parent or a friend or just people out there. But, you know... I mean, I, I didn't know anybody when I was, you know, grown up who was who was doing hard, you know, like uh, like opiates. I didn't know anybody who was doing oxy. I didn't know anybody who was, you know, using painkillers and stuff like that. And now kids are getting this stuff, like ecologists. So I don't know if it's just more, you know, this is what's cool. This is what people are doing. This is what's accessible. I don't know if it's, like you said, like it's just not as cool to, to drink anymore. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I do think... It's great to see that, like you said, people are, I think, getting a handle on it. And the other thing, too, not to get off on a tangent, but is I see so many more people when I go to, you know, like sober events who are so much younger, who got sober so much younger. You know, one of the comedians on our, our show tonight, Mike Early, he got sober when he was like 17 years old. Yeah. And that's crazy to me because I did not have the, really, just the, the awareness, the self-awareness to realize that, like, I was doing that much damage to myself and I should even consider getting sober. So I think even the idea of sobriety has gotten for lack of a better term, cooler, you know what I mean? Like, you see celebrities talking about being sober, you see musicians who have come out of the other side of sobriety, and that wasn't something I never necessarily saw growing up. So I think that could play a part of it, too, for sure. That makes total sense. Tonight at 8 o'clock at Acme Comedy Club, Greg Coleman, Cy Amundsen, Mike Early, Mo Yacoub, and, of course, Patrick Strait running the whole show. Recovery Riot is the name of the show tonight. The show is going to be unique in that there will be no alcohol served at all all profits to Stepping Stones Sober Housing in St. Paul. Patrick, thank you so much for your time, and I'm, I'm just glad to hear that a 12-year-old's doing so well. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm, you know, middle school's right around the corner, so let's hope I keep this up, but uh, I really appreciate you guys having me, and uh, yeah, I hope to see a lot of people out of the show tonight. You know, come buy me some juice. Absolutely. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Bye. We'll be back with the family. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Always a pleasure to be with you, Tommy. So you're splitting the tab at lunch or pitching in on a gift for a coworker. Maybe you got to pay that football pool entry fee and you need to settle up now. What do you do if you don't have cash on hand? You could use one of those third-party transferring services that comes with fees and takes days. But how secure are they? Why not send money quickly and safely with the click of a button without the hassle of a middleman? 
What's the answer, Michael? The XChat Gap, brought to you by your local community bank. It's safe, secure, and simple to use. The XChat Gap. Simply add a new contact by entering their name, phone number, and email into the app. Enter a dollar amount and then initiate the transfer. To accept the payment, the contact simply enters their bank information through a secure link sent via text or email. XCheck, safe and simple from my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. If you're one of those folks out there still putting up with contact lenses or dealing with glasses, think just for a moment, what would it be like to wake up to a clear morning and experience your day with all the freedom LASIK brings? Well, I'm living proof. That dream can come true. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to set your sights on 2020 vision. Get $500 off LASIK through the end of the year at Whiting Clinic. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contacts, then it's time for you to find out if you're a candidate for LASIK. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com for your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Imagine 2020, buy 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with $500 off LASIK at Whiting Clinic. Offer expires December 31st, 2019. Both eyes only cannot be combined. Results may vary. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. Some call me the gangster. What? Oh my god, I got really nervous. Thursday. 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 Thursday yeah. to Sunday. Oh, I should mention to everybody, by the way, so we could do a show that Cassie Wednesday. should start the clock. I will. What are you, like Andy part two? She's got to get her groove on, man. I you know, she doesn't even have the moon down yet. It's unbelievable. It was very nerve-wracking. So, <laughs> having to do all the jobs. Back. God. Why won't the damn thing Here. start? I'm Maybe I'm closer. Batteries just hit oh. start. I wonder if the battery's going bad in the remote. There we go. Okay. I'm closer. Okay. <laughs> I'm closer to it's it. It's weird. It was like it that in the weird. other, the old yeah, studio. Because yeah. I had to like. <laughs> yeah. Because really the camera nice was touch. in the way. Oh, uh, my rotator cuff. Uh. <laughs> I do have to mention that we will be on vacation next week from the show. Mm-hmm. Not vacation. Not vacation. Are we doing Monday and Tuesday next week? It's totally up to you. We can do Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Well, Wednesday I won't be here. She's not going to be there. Oh, so we then we cannot, unless so Alex, you just Tuesday. learn how to do all this stuff quickly. <laughs> and Andy's not going to be back by then. No, <laughs> no, no. He's okay, so we're going to do it Monday and Tuesday next week, and then we'll be done. We'll be gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because we're going to Nashville, and For I will Cassie. not be on. Hmm. Yeah, Catherine. No, I'll be in North Carolina. Shh. But you'll post best ofs. Oh yes, I'm going to be posting best ofs that week. Yeah. And then I can't be on Thursday or Friday this week either because I'm in corporate meetings both all day, both days. Are we having a show Thursday? Yeah, because I'm thinking Doug, Doug Sprinthal is coming to do car selling secrets. Oh, yeah. yeah he'd like that. We probably car won't on Friday. Well, I'm not here on Friday anyway, so exactly. it matters not to me. <laughs> so what are you in, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now? Yep. There you go. Yeah. But anyway, I just want to give people a heads up because I had to miss a couple of weeks, of course, a couple of weeks, a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago because we went to Phoenix and then I had to go to Denver. So we missed, what, Thursday and Friday of that week, too? Mm-hmm. It's It's been a <clears throat> hell of a month. It really has been. It's, it, it's from yeah. September to October. Yeah. You know, it's busy in my household because, you know, Dave 
his show premiered right. in October. Which right. this I know this is a shameless plug, but this Thursday, shameless. You guys got to tune in for this Holzer Files episode at the Whaley House. Mm-hmm. This is where you've, if people have been following, you've seen the promos. This is where Dave gets physically hit by. I didn't hit him. <laughs> oh, you mean a ghost hit? Not yet. It's um, yeah. I. I don't even like watching the clip. Oh, really? Well, I ah. see my husband get hurt. I don't like to see that. Well, he actually that. got hurt? He he physically got shoved, like hip-checked, like in hockey. Poor Shane, his tech guy, He Dave flew into him, pinned Shane up against the wall. Really? Yeah, they both, their backs kind of... Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and Dave has never had anything like that happen to him and at Dave's all. not a little guy either, No, so. and that's that's the thing. It's like this thing had some force to knock him over, and he was flabbergasted by it, and he's like, this has never, never happened to me before. Yeah. So, yeah, you tune in this Thursday at 9 Central on Travel Channel. Travel you'll, Channel. You'll see Dave get thrown around Hip like that. I wonder if Michael Bryant could... They couldn't Michael Bryant hip check him. <laughs> that would be interesting. A case where you put a personal injury case against a uh, spirit. Against the spirit. Yeah, they, maybe they'd you. leave. Maybe they'd leave the houses. Oh, I don't want to do that. I won't get sued, man. Absolutely but, true. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh normal start time is what, nine o'clock? Nine central, ten PM Eastern, yeah. On travel. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, so you can tune in and watch uh, a man who at Andy's wedding texted me during the wedding because of the, where he was sitting, <laughs> I thought you liked me. <laughs> Why? Oh, he was, he was just teasing a few room. people at the, at the table. Oh, <laughs> it was a wonderful wedding, though. We had it a lot was. Of fun. It was really, really nice. And so, it Alex, what did so you think sweet. when your brother started crying during his vows? I knew he was going to be sobbing. Oh, I cried during our our I entire was, ceremony. Yeah, I, I never was, stopped crying. <laughs> I'm in the way back because I'm doing the audio <laughs> for the music mm-hmm. and stuff. And at Son first, I thought Andy <laughs> flubbed his line and started laughing because I can't really hear. Right. And then all of a sudden, I notice I'm like, oh my god, he's crying. And then I start crying. Yeah. Oh, I could not <laughs> look Catherine. at him. I could not. Catherine of course did. I did, but I mean, and I, I looked at I looked I over couldn't. at mom. And she's like reading the program. <laughs> I know, over and over and over again, think, trying to think of anything. But I'm like, I have to miss this because otherwise, I'm going to be a lunatic crying. Yeah. You cried oh. all, the entire day at my wedding. I did. I cry a lot. They're emotional. I, cried, I, I usually did. am a disaster. At, you cried. Pictures of you crying. <laughs> One of my favorite things is I'm wiping my eyes with a tissue and then. Dr. Paul Olson comes up and puts his hand out like, how you doing? And I put the <laughs> tissue in his hand. It was Thanks. phenomenal. Nice. Thanks, Dr. Bear. No. Uh, it was yeah. terrific. Andy was, so, he was really struggling to make it through his vows. And mm-hmm. he, he was. He was just... All of a sudden, he just goes, son of a bitch. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. He's just really son of a bitch up at the oh, yeah. He's at the altar, and he's saying, son of a bitch. Oh, I know what Aaron, my cousin, was like, and it was just after the person that was marrying them said something about, like, and in God's hands. <laughs> Didn't something. she get annoyed with bitch. you because you cried at her wedding? Or when you were trying to, oh, at the reception, you were just. You no, I was doing my maid of honor speech, yeah. and she gave me this. Yeah, like she to wrap was, it up because hands. she was crying a lot. And I was crying, but then everybody afterwards was like, "Oh, your speech was so wonderful." Well, it's real. I mean, you're feeling yeah, it your is. feelings. It's okay. Yeah. I know. It I was very surprised is. that I didn't cry during. I cried a lot on my wedding day, but I didn't cry during. 
the ceremony, which is surprising. And Andy's, yeah. I usually cry at everybody's wedding like a disaster, but I was on like mom mode because mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. I had to like, she, in the middle of the ceremony, she goes, mom, mom, mom. And so I bend down. She's like, I feel like screaming. <laughs> I feel like screaming. Yeah, Why like did you want to scream? Because she had to be quiet for three minutes. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah, she was adorable. so adorable. She was Funny. so excited to get in that dress. And I'm like, oh, you're a pretty princess. Let's go show Bop Bop. And she comes running out straight towards Tom, and she twirled. And she twirled around. Twirling. Although she didn't say goodbye to me. That pissed me off. (laughs) One night when we were babysitting them in the morning... You you came over early mm-hmm. and she hadn't she wasn't up yet she and she gets dressed herself now mm. most of the time she's wearing two tutus today to school she two? she she's she's starting to descend down the stairs and she's like oh bop bop are you ready a princess is coming downstairs <laughs> and she comes down in her Anna dress from Frozen. A princess Are you ready? Bop bop. So and I open up funny. The, I open up the garage door a lot and like I'll open it up and I'll go, <gasps> A princess is in my car. She's wonderful. <laughs> and she makes me close the door and do it like four times. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you have to be careful. Again. If she likes it, it's a yeah, repeat performance about four hundred times. Yeah. Again. Oh. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing, Do having little kids. Yeah. Having little kids around is the greatest. Do you think, uh, or do, do Andy and Melissa plan on having kids soon? Probably not they immediately. Probably they not just immediately. got married not soon. two days ago. Well, not a couple wait. years. They want to wait to try to have kids. Uh, I suppose yeah. not a good, not a bad idea. Gotta enjoy married life a little bit. Yes, it's true. So that's we a big adjustment for, anyway. We were mm-hmm. married for just under a year. Oh, you were. Before, yeah, but yeah, so that's probably about right. Well, and they they were together for a shorter time. I think it's been a year and a half, right? Yeah, uh, since they I'm met. Going up on two years, I since think. Since they met, no, April. They yeah, met the April. So two years. Oh, is it April? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. What the hell do I and we know? We were together a year and a half before we got engaged, and then we were engaged for a year. Your mother and I so. were together for three years. Before we had kids. Yeah. Before we no, before we got married. Oh yeah, were we? Like four and a half, but four and a half years before we. Had, well, Andy's thirty-three. Uh, almost. Almost. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, he's thirty-three. Eleven days from now, so. Yeah. Ugh! I have a thirty-three-year-old yeah. son. Hey! <laughs> no. Hey. Makes me my, feel old. My oldest boy's about to start <clears throat> driving. Oh God. Really? Oh God. Yeah, that I know. Time flies. Well, Dave and I have been. Next month will be our two-year wedding anniversary. God, it seems like you just got married. Too. I know, man. God, two years already. Yeah, I know. Man, I didn't even know that. It just flies. I didn't know it was two years already. Where That's unbelievable. Five. Yeah, we we on met. Friday. We met. Got married three. We were going to get married within two years, but then we got. The economy collapsed. Remember that in 1980. And then I was rethinking was. some things. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. That's going to go. Yeah. She was Lovely. adding up her odds. Had to make sure. We met in on s- September 3rd, 1981. I you remember that stuff. September 3rd, 1981. I remember that very specifically. I'm the worst. And then I don't know. Maybe it was July. We got married July, uh, less than three years. We got married in July of 84, mm-hmm. then Andy was born in October of 86. So yep. it was two and a half years, two and a half years, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Close enough anyway. So, you know, that all worked out in the end. Well, they are so cute together. They really are. They are. Andy's just 
he gave me the best hug he's ever given me really? after we did the little mother son dance. Yeah. He like hugged me like sincerely. Oh, he weird. did? I was I was literally like in shock for about Very an hour. I couldn't even talk to anyone. Andy. I was like, what what just happened? What song was that? It's a that you danced to. Da, 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 it was um, Carol King. Oh, I couldn't really hear it. Like, and then uh, yeah, Melissa danced with Dan, her dad, to Unforgettable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he comes over and he goes, you see that I stole your song? I know you love that song. <laughs> Who's on? The guest. Oh, guest on? <laughs> the guest. Excellent. We can get that cooking. That I like that. Cooking. Doctor, how are you today? Right, Tom. Is, is that Tom, right? It is Tom, absolutely, sir. There's no I'm question. I'm good. How are you? We're fine. Dr. Singh is with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his book is called Your Heart, My Hands, An Immigrant's Remarkable Journey to Become One of America's Preeminent Cardiac Surgeons. Uh, Dr. Singh, we were just talking about uh, Catherine. My lovely wife is on the show with our daughter and Cassie, a family friend. And we were just talking about the fact that our son got married last Sunday night. So it's it's a great reminiscence. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank and you. And where was the wedding? Where was the wedding? Yeah. Right here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was at the... Oh, that's wonderful. It was at, uh, what is it called? The, the Elm Creek Parkway Reserve Chalet. It was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. Yes. It really was. It was that's great. Very oh, I'm so glad for congratulations again. So I think my heart will stop pounding now, I'm hoping, because I'm happy for my <laughs> An encouraging, inspiring story on how a boy from India overcame a difficult childhood and devastating hand injuries and wow. became one of the most prolific cardiac surgeons in U.S. history leaving a life marked by crippling setbacks and his father's doubt. And, ooh, wait a ooh, you threw that in there, doctor, saying the father's doubt thing. That's a big deal, isn't it? That's always a big deal. It's the mother who saves you all the time. Yes. No, that's exactly, that's very funny. It's all you true. Know, doctor saying it's interesting you bring that up in your book, uh, because it says right here, uh, his father's doubt. But you see so many people now, particularly our politicians in America, and maybe politicians in the world, they all seem to have trouble with either their mother or their father or both. There's always a parental problem with politicians. So you could have been a politician, Dr. Singh. Probably more with the dad than the mothers. Yeah, probably. Probably true. You know. So tell me how it all started, Dr. Singh. When did you want to become a surgeon? Well, as you saw, my, as you read in my book, you know, I had all the troubles with my hand, and I was always in and out of the hospital, and some of the family members were doctors, so I was exposed to the hospital and to the doctors. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I was always interested, intrigued by the physician. And when I had the opportunity to get into medical school, which I got in, everybody's surprised, uh, I wanted to give back to the community. I wanted to serve to the humanity. And I thought this was a no- noble way to pay back, you know, to the community and to the society. That is a wonderful thing. I wish everybody felt that way, that giving back was a big part of their life. Uh, where, where do you practice, doctor? Well, I've been just retired, uh, you know, when I started writing a book. I practiced okay. in Brown Medical School, which is in Providence, Rhode mm-hmm. Island, mm-hmm. and for 41 years, a heart surgery. And uh, once I retired, I started writing this book, and here it comes. And here it comes. I like that. 
Faced with an entirely new culture, racism, and the lasting effects of disabling childhood injuries through hard work and perseverance, he overcame all odds. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, look, I, I, it's kind of weird, Dr. Singh, because now I know 14 people from, from uh, Rhode Island. Most people don't know anybody from Rhode Island. I know 13, and now How you'd be... How do you be, know 14 people? I, because I... You must attract them. <laughs> I must, yes. Well, actually, to tell you the truth, I... Um, uh, doing this show, and I also do a morning show, so we have a lot of comedians on, and there, a few of them are comedians, a few of them are lawyers. Uh, there, there are all kinds of different people. One, one is a woman uh, from the Patriarca family that's married to a friend of mine. So I just, but now I know fourteen people from Rhode Island, which I think is the United States record. Uh, of course, especially in the state of Rhode Island, it has a very small state and a small population. It does, but uh, so once. How old were you when you got to uh, Providence? Well, uh, when I came to this country, I was 23-year-old. And okay. believe me, I did not know a single soul when I arrived in this country. This God. was a new world, new culture, new society, different race, different religion. Mm-hmm. And I had $5 in my pocket. You know, the, the, the most valuable money I ever had, it, Mr. Lincoln. uh, Mr. Lincoln, I like it. (laughs) And I didn't want Mr. Lincoln to escape out of my pocket. (laughs) So I kept him very close, and I kept putting my hand in the pocket every five minutes to make sure he stays there. I understand. But anyway, I I came here, and and I got, I was fortunate. I got good training. Uh, uh, You know, I had a difficulty into getting the position, but once I got into the position, I succeeded it because I was determined, I was focused, and I was hardworking. And so I had a very good training. I was trained in Columbia and New York City, mm. then at Brown and then London, and I came back to Rhode Island. And one of the reasons was I was here exposed to this town because I liked the community. I liked the mm-hmm. people, the calmness, the culture. And my wife and I thought about it. That we can have a family here, and I turned down some good position. And I decided to practice here. It is wonderful. I need to take a very, very quick break. We'll be right back, though. Is that is that Thank all right you. with you, Doctor Singh? Absolutely. Call me Aaron. How about that? I'll call you Aaron. That'd be wonderful. Aaron, we'll we'll jo- we'll rejoin Aaron in just a couple of minutes with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. 
It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutramost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy Brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me. Having a coach keeps you accountable and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from client-submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutramost weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Aaron Singh with us. The book is called Your Heart, My Hands, and Immigrants' Remarkable Journey to Become One of America's Preeminent Cardiac Surgeons. Aaron, it's quite the story. Now, now, you were, what would you say, 20? Oh, Catherine has a question. Well, I just right. have a quick question. Yeah. Um, where, did you, where, where did you grow up in, in, in India? Catherine, I grew up in a small city called Patna. Patna, uh, actually, I was born in a small city called Darvanga very close to the border of Nepal. Oh, okay. I've, I've actually been to India and thinking of some of the small villages that I visited, I can't even imagine being transported about seven years ago. Um, well, transported uh, from that to New York City had to be like, <laughs> I can't even, well, I'll tell you, mind-blowing. I was so scared when I arrived Yes. In, the, in New York City. And when I came back again a few years later, then I realized I must have been scared shit there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at watching some of I the like passengers it. coming out, excuse my word, and, and then I realized, think about the masses of people who came to the boat, you know, in a huddle up in the in a deplorable condition, crowded, and came to Ellis Island, you know, the people, the immigrants, Italians, the, the Jews, Eastern Europeans, the Irish, and uh, that opened my eyes, you know, it said, look, these people came, worked very hard, and succeeded, and I was determined that I will do the same thing, and I will succeed someday. Uh, where's Madhu? Madhu and his wife. Our next door neighbors. They're from Mumbai. Are from Mumbai. Mumbai and okay. Which is another gigantic city. That's, another. A, that's a big city. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. it's a the population was bigger than New York. <laughs> God, that is amazing. But he. he yeah. But uh, I was never exposed to any of the big city. I was close to a village. And uh, so, and this is going back where all of these, my incidents when. 50s and 60s, which was at that time, India was really in a poor country. Now things have improved, a lot of economy, a lot of money, a lot of businesses, but it wasn't, wasn't something like that I was exposed to. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense to me. I, I, how was that for such a young man to come? And why did you, you decided, oh, I want to go to America? Why, why America? Well, you know, as I talk about in the book, you know, I was never a great student, but my dad got sick suddenly. He had a massive stroke, 
And my mom was only 10th grade educated. Mm. She couldn't get job, and job was not possible for ladies of those days in the 50s and 60s oh, yeah. in India. And there was no such thing, welfare, Medicare, Medicaid. And uh, so at that point in time, his mom, my mom had helped me so much in my early life with my paralyzed hand and a fractured hand, arduous exercise. And uh, I knew she was there for me all of my life. At that point in time, my mom came in one afternoon. And we were desperate in a sense. We were running out of the money, had no jobs, no nothing, you know, support the family. At that point, my mom came and confronted me, and she says, I want you to grow up. I want you to be, go back to school, study hard. Today, you are the guardian of the family. I was the eldest son, Ooh. and I became, at age 17, the guardian of the family. I took my brothers and sister, paddled them at 100-degree temperature uh, to the schools. I helped my mom to rehabilitate my dad, and then went back to school and studied very hard. And I was from the bottom of the class, I became a top of the class medical student in, in the years. And I graduated very high. At that point in time, there was a job opening in America. America has the best oh. opportunity. And and I decided to come to America to get trained here because two reasons. One, you get trained. And while you're getting trained, you can get some money. And this way I could save some money and send it to my family. Mm. And that's the reason I came to America. One, to get training. Number two, to have money to support my family. And that's what I did. When I came to this country, I had only $5. And the night I slept in the room in Ooster City, where I had my job first day, I had a quarter on my desk. That's all I had. I, didn't know, I did not know a single person okay. in this world except for a while. Now, did you speak English at that time? I did, you oh, know, okay. because, you know, but... I was tutored, you know, in early childhood with paralysis of my hand. I couldn't go to school. So whatever my mom knew, English, math, you know, language, Hindi, she tutored me. So I missed all my schooling as a child until the middle school I went to eighth grade. And uh, so, uh, but, so I was exposed to English reading a little bit, but not formal. My English was never great like my brothers and cousins and nephews, but uh, that's what I was exposed and that's what I learned. But I, I learned, I worked hard, and and uh, I was able to do it. That is, a, that, what an amazing story that's, that's that is. very inspirational. And I also had a yeah. difficulty learning, Tom, because I was also later on found out I was severely dyslexic. And uh, here I was a guy who was dyslexic, whose hand was bad, paralyzed, and different world, different culture comes in here. And anybody who requires the skill of the hand uh, didn't expect to be be a surgeon, right? Which would require that the of the highest order, dexterity of the highest order. And I was able to do it because two reasons: hard work, determination, and focus. You know, even I felt and saw it, disappointment, discriminant, disc uh, discrimination, racism, bigotry, 
you know, it was always there. It was painful there. It's still there. I will be there. Always will be there, civilization. But I wasn't going to be bogged down with a negative force. I was here to determine what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do, and what I want to be. You know what amazes me, Aaron, about that whole, uh, what you were just talking about? Because I have a number of friends that grew up in Boston, and a lot of them are Irish, and of course they're Southies, and they're the Townies. And in Boston, you could be Irish Catholic, but you're the wrong kind of Irish Catholic. That's <laughs> like, right. Oh my God! Wow, so that, that, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Yeah. So people tell you, well, you were discriminated. This, you know, sure is painful. Somewhere discriminated because you didn't get the job because you were different color, different sex, different Portuguese, Irish, Italian, Jews, whatever. Mm-hmm. But tell me when in the civilization there was never a discrimination. Right. So many right. history. Yes. Never, there's never such thing. It is always as this is the as long as the human existence has been there. So if you want to bog down with your negative force, you're never going to succeed. You know, Love is it, it painful? Yes, it is Love painful. It. You know, so I tell people, be focused. Work hard, have a determination, have a grit, and if you do all of these things, and be prepared for disappointment, you're never going to succeed everything. You will overcome majority of the obstacles. That is a wonderful message, wonderful and I advice. hope. Are you going to be doing a bunch of national TV interviews? Because you definitely, well, I, you, you should. know, uh, yes, I will be doing it. You know, last two months I couldn't do it because I had a little medical issue, retinal detachment, so, but which is all better now, and actually, first, my first trip was, I went to Midwest, to Indiana University, medical, uh, oh, the okay. alumni, to talk, IU in Bloomington, on October 1st, my first travel day, so I'll be doing some now, I can travel, my eyesight's are better now, so I could fly now, so... I'll be doing it more talking in the TV appearance. I want you to do that because you're going to deliver a message that we don't hear a lot now. All you hear now in America from the politicians is, oh, my God, it's just so hard for some people to make it. It was the sad part. I think we're doing it two things, one thing. One, I think in my mind, after the Civil War, in our lifetime, we saw the Vietnam War where the country was divided. Mm Mm-hmm. Now we're going a cultural division, cultural revolution. Right. The country is completely divided. You know, nothing is going to be agreed upon anything. And I also do not like when politicians and the press and the media says, American dream is over. No, absolutely not. Absolutely American not. dream is still there. America is still the beacon on the hill. America is still the greatest country in the world. Tell me any country where Afro-American could be president. Tell me any country that a minority could be a governor. Mm-hmm. Tell me a person like me with disabled dyslexia could be a successful surgeon. You have to work hard. You have to have determination. You have to have focus. Be prepared for disappointment. You will overcome the obstacle. But don't expect the America because I'm in America, hands down, as everything gets. If you give everything, nothing is going to happen. You're going to blow it out. It is amazing. You, yours is a wonderful American story. American dream is still alive. I would recommend this book is not. This book is about my journey. This book about my career. This book is about how patient impacted my life. 
how impacted it is, and what is the state of healthcare. This is not a technical surgical book. This is a book about the human story. This is a book about the immigrant story. And if this book is for anybody, for everybody, I will encourage each and one, every one of you to read it in your heart, my hands. You can get it Amazon. You can get it online. You can get to the Barnes & Noble anywhere else. It is a wonderful thing. Your heart, my hands, and an immigrant's remarkable journey to become one of America's preeminent cardiac surgeons. I want to see you on national television a lot, Dr. Aaron Singh, talking the way you're talking, because I am tired of hearing how we can't make it. Oh, unless you're born into privilege, you got no chance. No. It's not true at all. It's, 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 it's good to have a born in privileges. And mm-hmm. I say, when I came to this field in the cardiac surgery, even in Minnesota, most of the cardiac surgery was started in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know the uh, when I came in this country in the 60s, there was no heart surgery. The only place was done was Minneapolis, and it was a, very rarely cross circulation by Dr. Lelahai and some in the right. John Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And the people who were doing those days, they were all, excuse my word, because some of them turned out to be my great friends. Mostly it was white American, you know, white as a main snowflake. <laughs> you know, blue-eyed, you know, blonde, yeah, you know, six yeah. feet tall, perfect set of teeth. There were no Afro-Americans. There were no immigrants. There were no right. women. Yep. And all of these kids had an education in a private school and they were a chode. You know, Ivy League, they played tennis, the golf. And if they didn't do well, they had the trust fund to back up. These were the these are the privileged people there. We were competing. There, most of them were born either the Westchester County, Marine County. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, uh, those are the people who I had to deal with it. But you know, with a little luck and a little hard work, it it paid off. You know, I had to get in there. And once you get in there, you have to prove that you're good. And this country is very fair. You know, here as I was, you know, live in a country, a state which is mostly white. You know, it's not like a big city, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And yet I had the biggest and largest practice in New England. You know, it's, people were not discriminating. You know, people may feel something, but when they need a heart operation, they came to me. So I'm just saying is that the don't be negative. Don't be down. You know, there are, it is painful. You see these things goes on and what goes on in the world. Mm-hmm. But be positive. Be, be be strong, you know, be determined, you know, that's very important. Don't just get, you know, you know I'm different color, different race, different thing, I'm not going to do it. That That, that is the one who's going to make you fail, not the, your effort. If you put your effort and energy, you're going to succeed. I think it's a wonderful... I, I hope I'm not the first uh, formerly blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy in America that said I love everything well, you talk you're about. Well, you in Minnesota, so I hope you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Dr. It's a common thing. It's a very common thing. But seriously, I love your heart. I love your soul. I think your family did a great job raising you. What you learned and what you have to say is very, very important to people. You did it, and you're saying Anybody, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I love that about you, Dr. Singh. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And good luck. Okay. Best wishes to you and your family and your newlyweds' sons. 
You're a good man. I hope you come to when you come to town to do a speech. You have to come in and do the show live. I'd love to have well, I you. I know in. a couple of people in Minnesota. I've been here for pretty well, so they invite me. I'll come down. <laughs> we'll get it done. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank Bye-bye. you, Doctor. Bye-bye. Bye. We need a lot more people like that, don't we? Yes. He, my hand doesn't. One of his hands is paralyzed. He's a goddamn heart surgeon. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. You so can... what's your excuse, huh? Yeah, so what's your excuse out there, you <laughs> lame brain? Well, he's, he kept on saying, you have to work hard. You have to work hard and stay focused. I like, But him. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, I loved him. I thought he was just a wonderful guest. And it, it, it was nothing but don't guess, be negative. I mean, seriously, some of those tiny little villages in India, I mean, they have an open sewer. Mm-hmm. That's where the poop goes, just going right down Main Street. There's cows walking around, dirt roads, little naked kids dirt running. Dirt roads? No. Well, I mean, oh, I'm just saying no. that there's no infrastructure whatsoever. Yeah. They can't be, you know, made with a shovel. We are, and, there there <laughs> yeah. are a lot, a lot of immigrants from India that come here and become oh, yeah. doctors. Absolutely. And, oh, yeah, we have several know. neighbors in our, in our neighborhood. In our neighborhood. Neighbors mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, of yeah, course, one of them's India. a woman. One of them's a woman doctor. One's an engineer. The other mm-hmm. one's, he's an engineer, and she's also, I think, a physician. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. I know. You know, it's just. And it's amazing when you look and see where they came from in India and where they're right. at now. It's yep. just, you feel so happy for them. Like, oh, my gosh, you did it. Yeah. And these are, yeah. you know, women that are not super young and they're of color and they're a doctor in america mm-hmm. well it's, as bo hopkins sure said easy. in the wild bunch why don't you kiss my sister's black cat's ass <laughs> anybody can make it in america absolutely and i'm really sick of hearing about how racist america is how horrible as dr singh just pointed out there are racists everywhere mm-hmm. everywhere in the world there oh, are racists absolutely. so calm down and we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family yeah, calm down 